This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs. Introducing the new spicy Cajun chicken sub, Cajun seasoned grilled chicken breast, zesty cherry peppers, and house-made Cajun mayo. Just $5.55 for a medium. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs would donate a minimum of $1 million in 2019 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.11% of every purchase. From New York City, it's the Todd Berry Podcast. The Todd Berry Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Todd Berry Podcast. It's the biggest, most enthusiastic opening in the history of this podcast. Uh... Because I raised my voice slightly. I'm looking at these levels. It's like off the charts. Probably have to fix this. Yeah. We need the applause to go underneath as well. Yeah. Well, that's that's a given that I will add applause to it. Across from me is Tiffany Stevenson. Hello. Hello. She's from the UK. My third UK guest. Oh, who were the other two? Matt Kirshen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Jimmy Carr, who did a live version of of my podcast at Montreal in front of maybe... 30 people in a completely brightly lit conference room. So, uh, that was not, the, it wasn't his fault. It wasn't my fault. It was Just, their fault. Yeah, I mean, maybe it was a good episode. I don't know. <laughs> we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> I like I like doing this in your kitchen. Do you? Well, yeah. Wait, are you saying we're not in a recording studio? Uh, you, no, we are. I mean, by judging by the equipment and the awards, there's a lot of awards. The Comedy Central cookie jar. That's, yeah. always, that's in all recording studios. Right. So I just watched a clip of you. Yep. On uh, Show Me the Funny. Oh, wow. That's a yeah. good clip. Oh, you like it. Because I was watching it and then the judges. That's, so that's like America's Got Talent only. Oh, yeah, it kind of wishes it was. I mean, it was it was an attempt to do something like the X Factor crossed with The Apprentice because it wasn't supposed to be like all the comics are comics, so everyone was sort of professional gigging comics. And the point was, we would throw them; they would be thrown into different situations to see how they handled it. A bit more like Last Comic Standing, yeah. where you go to a different town and you do tasks and you do all sorts of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> tasks. Love doing tasks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was crazy. I think that the problem. What I mean for me, it was great. For me, it was great because I got to play the uh, Hammersmith Apollo live, which is about sort of nearly four thousand in the room, but then live on. TV and that went out to about three or four million people. So um, we had a countdown. It was all very exciting. It was, it's so rare to actually see live stand up. Well, you you do here because you've got Letterman and. Don't you have some stand up shows there? I know I. We do. have stand up shows, but none of them are live. I mean, live at the Apollo. Oh, live. I was live like as it's happening live. Yes. Yeah. Meaning live. I know yeah. what live means. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm like, oh, live. Yeah, I remember that term. Yeah. Oh. So it was actually live. No, um, no delay or anything. Just going out as live that because i watched i mean i've watched america's got talent here and i watched you and I, I just get terrified like you looked and all the judges point is out how calm you looked yeah i think did I, you feel calm or was it like uh were you hiding it i i had pretty i pretty much had dry mouth at yeah, the you end said that, yeah um but weirdly i'd been because i was at the edinburgh fringe so i'd been doing a month's worth of sort of fringe shows i was at the stand i think that was the year that i we were in the same sort of venue Oh, so you did that? So I did that that year, yeah. Oh, so that was after I met you? Uh, yes, yeah. Oh, well, I take a little responsibility for that. Yeah, yeah, that was, it was all Todd. It was all Todd. It was all Todd's you got teachings. The, you got the little, you got knighted by me. <laughs> did, um, so how far did you go in that competition? All right, everyone. Uh, I just had a technical difficulty. <laughs> that makes it sound like you went for an awkward poo. No, 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 no. <laughs> that wouldn't, that, uh, I don't even go there. <laughs> Don't even go there. But, yeah, the garage band stopped, froze, starting over again. Not starting over again. Over-explaining something that I could have just edited out. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I did. I over-explained things. But I was about to ask you. So you were on this show, Show Me the Funny, and I was about to ask you when we got cut off by technology. How, how far did you go in that? Was that... 
I, I came, that was the final, that's the clip that you saw. And I think that even the computer was angry that I didn't win. And so it just shut down. Because <laughs> I, I think I, on the night I came third. Oh, really? I, I thought I was the best on the night. I, I didn't see obviously. the others, to be fair to them. <laughs> I'm sure they were excellent. But but you're saying, it, you start saying that it's probably better to be in third. Cause it, why? Because it just doesn't take over your life? Or um, well, I don't, with any of these type of shows, the person who wins kind of never, it, it's always more beneficial to the people who are in the final. It always seems to be the runners-up seem to do better out of it, like notoriously across. Really? Yeah, across those sort of shows. So I was happy. You know, I got to do the gig at the Apollo. Um, Pat made a, Pat Monahan won it, and he made a, a, D, a winner's DVD. And um, so I do a set on that. I'm an extra, like one of the extras. So myself and Dan, the other finalists, we do, there's like 15-minute sets on that. And, uh, and I got to play the you know, play the show at the Apollo, but we were together, I think in Edinburgh that year. So, um, so the reason I look so calm when I got up to do it is because I've been obviously playing to nearly the same amount of people, like 60 every night at the fringe. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I'd been, I'd done a month of drinking and, um, and really heavily. And I got quite ill the night before, just like cumulative, you know, like drinking alcohol over a month. And I was so the night before your that the table saw you got really drunk. I didn't get really drunk. No, I, yeah. that's the thing. I had like one cocktail, but I think it was the straw that broke the camel's back. Mm-hmm. So I'd been and I'd eaten at one of the places in Edinburgh. You know, some of the food places there are really dodgy. So it was probably a combination of that and the alcohol. But I was really sick the night before, um, and uh, I was just happy at that point to not be vomiting. So I think that's why I was so calm. You would have won, though, had you vomited on stage. Ah, oh, how could I not? Live vom. Oh, my God. Live bath. That's actually possible, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that would have been... That would have, I would have been forever known as the, the vomit girl, which is a tag, I suppose. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure it's one I that want. Would have to, yeah, that would have to be your first five minutes for the rest of your career. Yeah. You'd have to address that. But it didn't happen, so why are we... Yeah. It's the type of thing I would like, God, I would get him agonized about a hypothetical like what if I had vomited on oh but I did <laughs> so I don't shouldn't be thinking about this anymore I nearly did I nearly once vomited another time on live television years and years ago there's a breakfast show called The Big Breakfast and um, I lived in a flat full of models so I got roped into like modelling on the show um, and uh, we'd done the rap party for the office the UK office because I did like a episode of that in the first series and so we'd had a wrap party. We'd drunk loads of cheap BBC red wine. And then a car had come to pick me up at like six in the morning to go and model on this breakfast show. And I sat down in the chair and the makeup artist looked at me and went, you're, you're green. I mean, you're actually green. I mean, the theme today is safari. So maybe we can try and work with this. You're going to blend in with the trees. Yeah. But, um, but I'd, I'd, I'd sort of had stopped be, being ill. And then as we went on air, I got the, you know, that when you get that cold sweat that comes over you. So about 30 seconds before I went on, I'm stood there with this Prada bowling, bowling ball bag, which kind of gives you a, a, an idea of the era. It was about 2001. And my poor sort of actor's brain in that moment went, if I vomit in this handbag, maybe I'll get to keep it. And, uh, and and I had to literally stop myself throwing up, went on, did the item, came off, and then just threw up. It was... Wow. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I've got a problem with alcohol. No, it doesn't can. sound like it. <laughs> so I met you in Edinburgh. We were sharing a venue, is that right? Yeah. That's, that's the way we'd phrase it, right? I was in a gigantic 150, always empty venue. <laughs> and you were in like a 60-seat, yeah. more full venue <laughs> yeah we would uh i liked i quite liked our dynamic in edinburgh because uh, what todd and i would do is is every day we'd come in i think you started 15 minutes after yeah me. so i could never see your show you could, could never, never see my show and uh and and so i i would always go listen i mean there's probably going to be no roof left <laughs> by the time you get to your room and you'd be like i've just had to come in the paparazzi i'm just too famous um, and, and that's how we, that was our dynamic, wasn't it? I mean, it? I had pretty good, yeah. We, was, we shared a dressing room. I probably had, you know, I'm, I'm underselling how many people were there, <laughs> except for I want to see the box office reports. Yeah, actually, <laughs> I think if we did see that, we'd go, oh, no, you were right the first time. It wasn't <laughs> packed. A few shows were crowded. But it, it was also three in the afternoon, my show. 
it's kind of it's kind of got better up that end of town now, but that's a tough end of town. Right, because all the other shows, most of the other shows are in this one area, and then there's a separate area. Yeah, it's like a destination venue. Yes, you'd have it, to really want to see me or you. Yeah, it's very much the uh, co- comedians or comedy insiders or the you know so the bigger sort of broader more commercial stuff was going on in the. And the slightly more... So, I mean, Kitson, for example, won't do shows anywhere else apart from the stand. Oh, no, he's, he's done the, he's done somewhere since, but he, he famously did all his shows at the stand for years and took weekends off because he didn't want to play to weekend crowds. Yeah, I really... That's, that's the ultimate. It's if you could dream. do that. Didn't he do it? He did a 10 a.m. show too, right? Yes, yeah, and people get it sold out before, yeah. way before the run started but this year i think bridget christie was on there and she won uh, the main prize and stuff so it's and tony law like there's loads of great all the acts that i sort of love do play the stand andy zaltzman great people up there year in year out but it's just a little bit separate from everything else but i think it kind of plays up to that but it can be tough i think if you're not one of the massive names there at any given time that it's harder a little bit harder for everyone else how many times have you done it the fringe um my first year was in 2006 and i did uh we did the european premiere of uh talk radio the bogosian play and oh you were in a play yeah so that was the first year i did uh with phil nickel mike mcshane people like that Oh, I know Phil uh, Nickel. Yeah, so it was He's the comedians Canadian from Canada. Yeah, yeah, that's Phil yeah. Nickel. Of course, I know Phil Nickel. Uh, and uh, so we did we did a play there in the in the big upside down purple cow. Which to anyone that's not been to the fringe, that sounds kind of slightly insane. But there is a giant inflatable upside down cow that acts as a venue for like <laughs> five hundred people during the month of August, and it's the worst kind of venue for a play. For stand up, it's not so bad, but because it's a a market, it sort of creaks in the wind and. <laughs> Every every day I would have like this dramatic monologue in the middle of talk radio. So Linda, my character, would do this big speech about how much she loved Barry Champlain. And guaranteed every day at the time I did my speech, a samba band would go past outside doing a street performance. <laughs> so all of my heart felt, you know, I've got the accent. I'm doing, you know, she's American. I'm doing, I've got all of this stuff going on. And then I've just got. It always freaks me out when a, a British person does an American accent. Does it freak you out? Yeah, because, I mean, it's dumb, but I feel like, oh, wait, how, do you, how can you do that? <laughs> how, how is it that you're able to do that? Um, no, I did a perfect UK accent. Yeah, that's not bad. That's <laughs> not hear, bad. Can I hear you do your American? Yeah, sure. Um, let me think of what, 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 what characters. No, no, no. I did a few in the show. I always try and base my accents. Uh, so there was one who was like totally a valley girl. So she totally talked like that. And she did this really long racist speech. Um, that was one of them. And then another was like uh, more of a sort of Kim Cattrall voice. So I'm trying to think. that They're always based on people. So um, I was on Sex in the City, but I don't remember what her voice was. Okay. Um, don't be so judgmental. You could use a little back door. He's delicious. <laughs> sort of like that. Oh sort of like that. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, and then I had one. I had one where I had to, to ring up and... And it was almost like a, a, a bastardized Chris Rock it started off as. Stuart Lee was directing this place. So it was quite funny. I had this one sort of caller who I would call in about, who would be like, um, I love Lucy. What happened to I love Lucy? And then I would be like, what about crack? What about positive side of crack? So I realized it sort of gradually was becoming Chris Rock. Um, so I had to pull that back a little bit. But that was another one. And then there was another woman who would ring up and talk about that Ricky Ross. He sure could play the bongos. They're slightly cartoony. but And this is all from talk radio? Yeah. Because what happened, actually, originally I was supposed to be playing... Yeah, well, I was playing Linda MacArthur. So she's... The love interest of Barry, she's the uh, radio producer, and she's on stage for 80% of the play, and then there are other people doing voices. And then at the last minute, one of the actors dropped out, so I had to take on, like, six voice roles backstage. Any, I was pretty much 100% on for the play, so any time I wasn't on stage, I was back doing voices from a phone booth. Now, in Edinburgh, did you get real... Uh theater lovers uh, yes cow. yeah in the purple cow we did we did we got lots of theater audiences and it makes you realize how easy they are to please it's so funny because any kind of crappy gag works in a play but when you're doing stand-up people are like extra extra judgmental um 
but 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 the way Stuart had directed it was quite free. So uh, the, during the end speech, was, there was a Barry Barry Champlain does this rant. So Phil was playing Barry Champlain. I think he won an award that. Actually, he won the main Edinburgh Prize that year, and he won an acting award as well for the play. Um, but there's a speech at the end where he talks about people and how uh, ignorant they are. Because it, it, it's weird because it's so so of its time because we've. We've jumped the shark with the kind of crazy talk radio and everything. So it's weird when you get beyond a point where there's the internet and everyone can access, you know, talk radio used to be where you go, oh, I used to, to listen to it when I lived in Florida when I was a young man. I used to listen to it all the time. Now I don't even think about it. Like, I don't even know if it exists. I guess it exists, of course, but... Well, with all of these kind of competition shows, that's where people watch the weird or you can see everything on the internet. So they were of a time that... That I guess there was no access of like people be like I can't believe these people are ringing up saying this kind of stuff, um, and he would get into kind of like rants with them. But he's just this whole speech at the end about you know like pearls before swine and stuff. And then one day in the audience there was a woman and she took a phone call and it was it was sort of Phil Nichols Patty Lapone moment. <laughs> As I call it, Phil, so he like went off like I don't know. Well, he broke character. Yeah. Well, Stuart kind of allowed that. He didn't break character. He did it within the character, but uh-huh. he went up and basically delivered the monologue in their face, added a few bits, and then just went you. You know, I was kind of sort of ranting at her. He did it within the confines of the play, but it was quite petrifying to hear backstage. How did she react? She probably um, thought, "Oh, I helped. I helped the play out." She's like, "Oh." Just on, I was on my phone, and you know, he's taking a call, and I didn't think it would be a problem, you know, which is amazing. Um, oh God! <laughs> but because uh, Patty Lapone is my classic. Have you seen the Patty Lapone clip online? No. Where she's doing. I think they're doing Gypsy or something, and and she's in the middle of a song, and either someone is someone's phone goes off, or someone is talking. And she just stops the show dead, and she was like, "How do you think you are?" <laughs> she, she just kicks off. She's going, "You heard the announcement at the start of the show. You heard the announcement in the intermission. How do you think you are? This is the theater." And everyone's like, "Whoa, Patty!" Uh, it's a great moment. Yeah, that's that is the good thing about the theater. If you pulled that off, because in a comedy show, you know, maybe you'd be like. There's like a 50% chance no one would even know why you were addressing it. Yeah. Like, why do you care that that guy's on the phone? <laughs> it's not the theater. But that, oh, I haven't seen that clip. I have to look that up. Yeah, just, just There's look. a clip of um, Neil Young, who recently dumped a bottle of water on someone who was texting in the front row. <gasps> really? Yeah. And there's a great, a great clip of Tori Amos losing her mind because it looked like, I think they were just like these young women taking pictures of each other in the front row and she's playing this piano song and it's quiet and then all of a sudden she goes stops get the hell out of my show (laughs) stand being up front is a privilege get the hell out and you see these women just run like they could not believe that Tori Amos turned on them and which I guess you wouldn't expect yeah then the crowd goes crazy well that happened at Christmas I was doing some shows at the stand so so you know that the stand has like a few venues so there's Edinburgh Glasgow and Newcastle and um, because it was Christmas week they were kind of slightly they don't really take like big crowd bookings and stuff but I guess you can't weed it out that much at Christmas like you can't be but there was there was a crowd in and um, it got to I think I was the straightest stand up on the bill so there was a guy on first called Lost Voice Guy who's this guy who's got cerebral palsy and he he does it all through an iPad oh wow it's incredible I mean he's he's really great so that's quite alternative and then there was a guy doing kind of songs and then the host does impressions and songs so I was the first listen it's it's just just this yeah I'm just so it was one of those like most nights it was fine but on the Saturday night it was just like a because they were it was full there's like 400 people and it's late you know you're closing you're at the end of the show and it's it's busy Um, but in the middle of like kind of it was fine it was all a bit bantery we were getting through the gig doing bits and then it would be laughter and then there'd be people explaining jokes to each other and it's one of those difficult things where you go I don't want to tread on that because you're enjoying it so much you're talking about it but at the same time you're fucking my rhythm you know Um, but then in the right hand corner I just see like flash go off and I was like someone's taking a photo of me and then I realised that they're taking selfies that there's people on the back and I was like that's how not engaged with the show you are you're taking selfies and then in the stand stop they just threw them straight out and then they nice. kicked off the stand in the UK is very uh, they're pretty 
good with crowd control, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. They have a lot of nice rules I like. Yeah. Don't well, talk. Don't talk. Don't, yeah, and they, they even go on to say, like, reasons why people might talk and don't do any of them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a list before you come in just going, these are the behavior rules, you know. And because they get people who love comedy and people who aren't necessarily sort of bombastic club club acts completely you know because I, I play a variety of places at home you know there's nice art centers gigs there's more theory i do my tour my own shows and do club gigs as well so depending on any sort of but the stand is not one of the um it's where lots of different acts perform they're quite you know uh, and they tend to get slightly more alternative acts so so there might be someone who's really low-key and quiet and not this kind of ballsy club guy that you know and 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 so the audience go because they want that you know the same as in edinburgh so so the stand are very on top of like you're not our audience and you go to jonglers down the road or like the hyena or wherever and, and you're welcome there because they take stag and hen parties and they take people who don't care about comedy but we care about comedy doesn't so. the stand i don't know if they still have it on their website but they used to refer people to another club like, yeah jonglers wanna- <laughs> jonglers jonglers is the classic chicken in a basket i guess it's kind of the uk equivalent of yuck yucks right now, chicken, in a basket. chicken in a basket chicken in a basket comedy so it would be jonglers has like a memo which is um it says pretty much uh, eat drink dance laugh and like laugh is laugh <laughs> well. eat because we make the most money off that laugh dance <laughs> They can do dance there? Yeah, because they keep it to a club afterwards. Oh, you know, God. so it says eat, awesome. drink, to so get the food and the drink. Combining comedy and dance club is, is a good idea. <laughs> so it's, it's, it means the sleazy comics hang around afterwards trying to pick people up at the bar, which is always fun to watch. Eat, drink, dance, and if you have any energy left over, <laughs> you can laugh at these people who are trying to make you laugh. Yeah. Wow. Who we're paying to be here, but almost like danger money. Um, Someone told me about a a fee that some glee clubs in, like an insurance. Oh, behavior bond. Loads of them do that. Let's explain that to the. This is great. Oh, okay. So they don't do. So they don't do this here. Then okay. Well, this how this works. How this works is. um, I used to do a joke about this. Like if Noah came back with his. If if Noah and the Ark happened now, the animals would be queuing up two by two to get in. And uh, there'd be like two monkeys would go and there'd be two stags and they'd be like, not without a 200 pound behavioral bond, <laughs> um, which is because we have stag and hen. So you have bachelor and bachelorette. So stags are bachelor parties um, and, and hen do's are bachelorette. And what happens is if they can't, if they want to visit a comedy club in a big group, they have to pay across. Now, 99 club in the center of town does that as well. 99 clubs, one of the best rooms in London. It's just a great, great room. About 300 Friday, Saturday, smart crowds, funny, great. But they make them pay a hundred or fifty pounds per person. Wow! Behavior bond, and if you break that, then they keep that money. They throw you out and keep the money. They throw you out and keep the money. Oh, that's such a great idea. Yeah. So it just means everyone's. I mean, it's crazy that we now live in a society where you have to promise, yeah, like politeness insurance. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Anti asshole. <laughs> I could not imagine any club in the states doing that. Really? Then. They would just be too afraid to like, oh, we don't want to make waves with the audience and we don't want to hurt their feelings and their customer's always right. And Well, there's a, there's a weird thing. And it's very much changing in the UK at the moment. The scene is changing and sort of people are panicking, but it's, it's a good change, I think. In some ways, lots of good change is happening. It means all the tired old hacks that haven't written jokes for like five years need to just go and do something else because you don't add anything. Just die disappear whatever um and and you know because some of the there was a big chain so the jonglers chain sort of split in half and then there's highlight which are really nice gigs and they're booked by a woman who really knows and cares about comedy and then the jonglers gigs which was the big chain like the yuck yucks sort of has sort of dwindled off i don't know whether they've now come back together but um it got to the point where they you know they'd got in trouble for paying comedians late the rooms were never rooms like you would go into like the middle of a nightclub and you'd have aircon rattling around and you'd be slinging jokes at the back of someone's head while they ate steak aircon is air conditioning <laughs> I've performed in the UK a lot. Not till my 10th trip there did I know what aircon meant. 
No. Oh, okay. No, I figured it right out, as, as you guys did. Um, it's, it sounds like I've, I've got that Nicolas Cage film the wrong way around. Um, yeah, there's, so, so that's kind of, so the scene's very much changing and getting a bit more like here. But at home, all the clubs are paid there are a few, not all the clubs, but there are a few free clubs and that but they tend to be where people go and perform new stuff. But the circuit is kind of changing. And that's where most of the acts come through in the UK. They come from the circuit before they, although again, that's changing as well. You've got some quite new acts who are doing TV. There seems to be all different paths into stuff now with YouTube and radio and podcasting and stuff. But they get kind of... They like when an American comic goes out there, or do they? Yeah. Or is there? No, they who, do. Are there people who resent it? No, I think they like it. I think there was a, a huge influx of uh, Canadian, particularly comics, in the um, in the sort of early two thousands. I mean, I started in two thousand and six, two thousand and seven. Yeah, so, two thousand and six. So um, there were already quite a lot of Canadians that were overdoing sort of stand up there and they t- they really take them and Americans like Rich Hall mm-hmm. he plays my club in London every week you've played my club yeah there. we'll talk Old about Rome. that in a minute <laughs> um, but uh, yeah so it's all kind of it's becoming a bit but the behaviour bond thing I think is great and it's only for groups so if it's a group of like 10 guys you go well that's a that's a bachelor party and you're yeah. going to have to pay because we know that you're going to turn up with giant inflatable cock and balls yeah. and you're going to drink and you're going to shout and you're going to, and if you're going to do that, then we're going to take your money and make you leave. Oh, that's so nice. Does that happen very often where people, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or does yeah, that actually, people will argue, people will argue back. I think just the tonic recently, which normally again is more like the stand in terms of um, the Leicester one, certainly in terms of they get like really nice, uh, it's kind of you know there are certain venues that treat it as an art form and others that treat it as a, a business and way to sell drinks you know so um, but there but, but a bunch of people got thrown out of there about 30 which club was this? Uh, Just the Tonic that's a good one? yes yeah, a good one I don't one. think I've ever done that one it's in Leicester yeah there's one in Leicester and one in Nottingham so you, maybe I've been there you, they yes. should uh, fly me first class on British Airways and I'll do a set there yeah yeah they should bring back Concord <laughs> just to get you over would that be uh that would be funny if you really if I really presented that to them. Hey, you guys should just fly me over to do a set. <laughs> British Airways, first class. Yes, yeah, $15,000 plane ticket. Yeah, I'll do a 15-minute set. What do you think? That's a thousand. It's a thousand dollars a minute. Do they... Um, so how big is that place, just the time? Uh, one room is about 300, and the other's about uh, one, 200, no, 150, 200. Yeah, I want to yeah. do that one. Maybe the smaller one. Yeah, start small. <laughs> and I'm going, Todd, we'd love, we'd love it if you did the big round. And then do the Nottingham Playhouse or something, which is about a thousand. Do you do so? What kind of when you do you do a tour where like uh, you just do two months? All yeah, over UK? yeah. There's different ways of touring. There's like kind of uh, the last one I did. I sort of did just mainly just festivals and a run at the Soho Theatre, which you've done as well. Yeah, in London, um, which is nice. Um, so I did a run there. So I did the Fringe. Did a run there. <clears throat> did Glasgow Comedy Festival, Leicester Comedy Festival, and did my sort of tour dates like that. And then n- next year I'm going to the Fringe, and then we're doing a proper tour of about 30 dates after. Really? Yeah. We? Yeah. Who's we? Well, <clears throat> I say we. My my agent will be doing it. We'll be booking How, what it kind and stuff. Of, what size places we play? Uh, our small rooms, small, because, um, yeah. I mean, I've got, you know, What's at any a small given room time, to you? Uh, to me, a hundred is a small room. Yeah, yeah, oh, like that 100? would be yeah, okay. yeah. I'll be like the studios, I think, in most of the places. And then if you sell those, then you maybe put an extra night on or something. I actually think a hundred people is a pretty good amount of people to perform to. Yeah, I mean, well, of course, if- we want to play to ten thousand people, sort of in some way. But as far as like pulling off a show, a hundred people sold out a hundred seat room is pretty great. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what we'll be. That's I'm saying we'll be that because I can only sell 100 tickets. Um, well, but, that's but, not true. but in in terms of um, you d- being able to do your own thing and people coming to see you, which is different to a club night to a mixed bill where they'll come and there's four or five of you on yeah. and, and and you don't know. I mean, they don't necessarily come to see you, although sometimes they do. You know, it depends on how much telly you've done. It's all, you know. How long a show will you. Uh... When you do this tour, how long is your show? You uh, don't do the, someone told me that they forgot that some of the comics there do like two 45 minute sets. Yeah. I guess I saw Eddie Izzard do that. 
That's so crazy. Yeah, That's two forty-five minutes. Is yeah. that what you're gonna do? Yeah. Really? Yeah. What? Yeah, or a half hour and an hour. So with um, a break. With yeah, with interval. a break. Yeah. Yeah. Why so long? So if you, what if you said, I want to do an hour? Um, well, that's how, that's how I, that's how I did it last time with festival shows. I did an hour because all of the slots are an hour. I could do less time and get a support act. Yeah. Um, but I've done like six Edinburgh shows, no, five Edinburgh shows. So I've got about five hours worth of material. Oh, so you can, when you tour, you can do your older stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So, well, because it'll be my first proper tour that's not. Sort so of doing no one's going to call so. you out and like say, uh, I heard that joke in Edinburgh. Uh, no, no. Every- 2009. Yeah, yeah. Well, it will be mainly my new, I've sort of written about 40 minutes of my new hour to go up to Edinburgh because I'm doing it in Adelaide in February. And you'll also probably be playing some cities where they're not all on top of comedy. Maybe. Yeah. So they're not going to know like, oh, I heard it, heard it, heard it. Yeah. But also there's a lot of comics on tour now as well. So that's all kind of like... Again, it's all kind of changed. After we did Show Me the Funny, we did a tour off of that TV show, and we did bigger venues for that. But then there was three of us, so it was kind of more like a gang show. So we did, like, sort of 700-seater uh, rooms, 400-seater oh, rooms, nice. you know. So that we got to play those, and... Um, so that it's nice to get used to those size theatre, and I did an, I did tour support for someone else as well. Who's that? But, uh, Puppetry of the Penis. Oh, yeah. I know. I think I know someone else who did that. I, I think, think Amy Rachel Schumer Feinst- did them here. Yeah, yeah. Sh- did Rachel Feinstein do that as well? Is she dark haired girl? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think was she at Hannibal's gig last night? She may have been. Yeah. Yeah. So she did. Yeah. It's just kind of crazy. It's kind of like the most feminist thing you can do because you go out and get paid to tell jokes, and then they take their clothes off. So it's quite a, it's quite Any a role reversal. Anytime anyone described that show to me, I just go, no, you can't stop. You got to stop describing the guys <laughs> who tie their penis and on. Yeah, I, I get it. It's pop. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. It makes you get a dull ache yeah, in a place. It makes get a little, uh... so how long did you tour with them? So how does that work? You just go out there and yeah. they go before well, we you see, we wave our dicks at you and tie them up in knots? Um, how about some live stand-up? Uh, well, yeah, not even, I mean, um, uh, when I come over, I stay with my friend Rich, so I know him from doing the puppetry. Uh, he also did like spam a lot. He's an actor and stuff. He's, he's done. He uh, he did it in Edinburgh, and then they did a tour. So what they did, and it's actually a franchise of it. How it works is most of the people who book to go see that show kind of book to go and see a spectacle. So they may not necessarily all be comedy fans, but the great thing is you can convert them and then I get them to sign up to my mailing list and I take them and I have them. So it's a great way of accessing a new audience, but they're all theatres, so they behave, you know, like, you know, they're up for it, but not in an aggressive kind of... So you're saying like the puppetry, the penis, it's a tip. It's like someone who goes see an Ibsen play. Yeah, that's exactly what it's like. (laughs) But um, it's, uh, yeah, it's you go out and they just, they kind of... They do a little announcement from backstage saying, you know, um, that we've got a, a good friend of ours coming on to do half an hour. Yeah. So I think Amy Schumer did a bunch of them here. And you, it's mainly 80% women Yeah, you play to. And, uh, and uh, yeah, some of them have never been stand-up before and then become new fans of stand-up if you do a good job. So... All right, I'll take the gig. Yeah, yeah. I think you should do the next series of them. They should have a male open and just be naked the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> In which case, I would not take the gig. Or or go the other way and have a guy open, but wear, like, every layer of clothing possible. Like, just leave the eyes out and have earmuffs. Ski mask, yeah. Yeah. Um, now, you mentioned this show you do. Yes. Called The Old Rope, which yes. I have done once. Yes. Once. Once. I'll, I'll do it again. It's a new material show. You want to explain it? Yeah. Uh, the idea is is that uh, we have a noose on stage, and uh, the, the premise is... Uh, <laughs> People are, like, already horrified. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and which represents money for old rope. So all the comics get up, and they have to do new stuff. Um, and, and, and then if they're, if they're sort of bombing, then they can hold on to the rope, money for old rope, and they can do an old joke to get out of bombing. But mainly the idea is that everyone does new. Uh, back in the very first days of its inception, before I was sort of involved with it, um, comics were very, very heavily vocal and heckly if someone got up and did old stuff. In fact, Glenn Wall used to sing Guns N' Roses songs. Uh, over the top of people that were doing old material because the idea being that everyone has to try new because what would occasionally happen is 
people would try some new, then someone would get up and then just destroy. Hot their target, re- yeah. yeah, yeah. And then you're like, the next person finds it impossible to go up and go, well, I have half an idea. I don't know if it's going to work. Um, yeah, so, there yeah. used to be rooms in New York. Well, there are sometimes rooms in New York where people basically do new material and then, the, you know, the guy from L.A. visits and just does the polish set. Yeah. Some poor guy like me trying to work it out just can't follow it. <laughs> can't follow that L.A. polish. So how long has this show been going on? Uh, well, it's, I've sort of had it for about six years. Yeah. Five or six. We've been in that venue for five years, and we run every Monday. And the lineups are just like the best in the UK. Like we get like, every week, Rich Hall. If Rich Hall's in town, he does it every week. We get Milton Jones, uh, who's like a sort of one-liner comic. You've done it. Hannibal did it when he came over. Uh, you know, Stephen Merchant, people like that. Ricky Gervais pop in. Yeah, it was fun. I I was a little I was nervous because I I don't I don't like to sort of advertise when I'm doing new material. New material, right? I kind of just want to slip it in and see how it works, but. I think it took a couple of seconds, but then I just started doing crowd banter. That was I basically great. didn't do any new material, but it was new material because it was crowd crowd work. <laughs> but some of your finest. It did was I great. do any? Yeah, it was fun. Did I? I thought I, I had this idea, which I'm sure someone must have. Has anyone just walked up there and done an old set and grabbed the rope from the get go? Uh, no, they and haven't. That seems no. like a, an obvious funny idea to just go up there and do your old <laughs> like shit that everyone knows if they're if they all know you, but just. Holding on to the rope. Yeah. How often? Because when I was there, not one person grabbed the rope. Um, well, for example, last Monday, there was a guy called Don Tran, who's from Australia, and he came down and he did, he does one-liners, but he was very funny in that he probably used it the most I've seen anyone use it. So he would do one, grab the rope, do an old one, let go of the rope, do a new one, grab the rope, do, which you can do. You know, sometimes people have notepads and they cross them off or they'll go, okay this is an old bit or they'll flick it afterwards or they'll say afterwards but the idea is to sort of hang on to it did you was did you start this show uh no it was originally started by uh phil nickel and Kerry marks and then um i did my first ever <clears throat> when i first started stand-up i did sort of a character act mm-hmm. for like about six months and then i did my first ever straight sort of five minutes of stand-up at old rope um, and then Phil couldn't make it one week to host, so he asked would I host, and then he just sort of gave it to me. And I went, okay, uh, I'm going to make it into a proper show, because at that point it was mainly just comics in a room watching each other, which yeah, is the worst kind of audience, really. <laughs> you know, you're doing material to, like, maybe one genuine audience member. Yeah, and it's terrible. Um, so, so I kind of built it and made it into a, a, a proper thing, you know, and we, we, ha- we run it at the Phoenix in Cavendish Square every Monday, and we get between like I don't know, depending on like on a quiet night, there might be like forty people. But I remember I, I ripped you apart a little bit because you gave me I'm not going to say bad directions, but they were awful directions. <laughs> <laughs> you gave me these directions where I was like yeah, I was just wandering everywhere, and then I realized like you're like yeah, it's a corner, it's across from the steakhouse, and it was something where you're like in order to follow your directions, I would have to be able to see through buildings. <laughs> I was like oh, I have to oh, I have to have X-ray vision. <laughs> to see that that thing is over there. It's, yeah, it's, it was really it's really near Oxford Circus Station, but I don't know. I thought I said come out, do a right, and then do a left. It doesn't matter. I forgive you. You forgive me. Yeah, your getting, directions getting here were good. lost in, um, especially in other countries. Just, I feel so panicky. Well, I I kind of uh, I've got this little book, New York book for directions and stuff. But I sort of plan mine before I come out. I was like, right, okay, that's that there. Um, but I still went to the wrong side of the road for your apartment. But at least here, everything's in blocks. Yeah, nice little grid pattern for the most part, unless you yeah. go to the West Village based on or uh, some other areas. Based on Glasgow, city really? planning. Yeah, New York City planning. But they use Glasgow as the model. Okay. So there's all blocks there. I've been telling everyone we invented it, but I guess I was wrong. <laughs> I haven't told anyone that. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's kind of nice nice and easy to find. It if you're is. a bit geography slow, uh, you can kind of go, oh, okay, well, that's, that, that's going up, that's going down. It, it, avenues go one way, streets go another. Yeah, that's, it's, yeah. It's, it's really the best city. <laughs> it's a great city. You it like is it a great here. City. What, yeah. what brings you here? Um, well, just a bit of a holiday, really, and just kind of like checking it out and seeing, do I want to come over next next year and do some shows and spend a little bit of time here and, you know. You should. Yeah. 
I think so. I think we need a Cockney chimney sweep sort of female. Three minute guest spots <laughs> at two different bars. <laughs> you can do one in my kitchen. Yeah. You invite. So I think this window. is one of your guest spots. Um, so you like it here, and you're here with your yeah. boyfriend. This is his first trip over here. Yeah, yeah. That's, I always get excited when people come here for the first time. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, it's incredible. Like I, I'm, the, I came back in September, I think, for the first time, and getting out of the uh, subway just out on Times Square and going, oh wow, like the scale of the buildings and stuff is is impressive. And we went up Rockefeller and it just looks incredible. It's probably the best view I've ever seen. That's an incredible view there. Did you go to the Empire State Building? No, it's I did Rockefeller. Building. I know, I did Rockefeller I love instead. the Empire State Building. Oh really? You're, gonna, you're pro Empire State? Yeah, if you look at it from like certain angles, it's just unbelievable how beautiful and big it is. Yeah, well haven't, haven't, haven't been we i saw it obviously from rockefeller but my friend said if you're going to choose to go up the empire state or rockefeller i would do rockefeller she thinks it's better really yeah yeah can you see all around the i guess you can i haven't been i mean truthfully i haven't been to the top of the empire state building okay all right they don't have apartments there so what's the point yeah it's like, who are you going to visit up Last there? time I was like, you guys have apartments here? Okay, not interested. You're going you're gonna to rent one? You'd be big time Todd Barry. Live on the 109, live on the 98th floor. Um, so have you been to Los Angeles? Uh, not for a long, long time. I went in like 2003 or something, very briefly. So not a lot of British comics, I don't think, come over here. Oh, they mainly go to Los Angeles. I don't know. Yeah, I guess they go to like... Oh, I suppose, because I think Andy Osho's out there at the moment, Daniel Sloss, although he did. What did he do the other day? Was it Conan? Daniel Sloss? Yeah, I think he did Conan, yeah. yeah. I went on after him at the stand in Glasgow, and it was not easy. (laughs) Don't don't make me follow the 19-year-old. Who's local, the local Yeah, local 19-year-old. Yeah. Yeah, it was really, like, that was rough. Like, it was real quiet, one of those quiet where you're like, Oh, I can't really get mad at you guys because you are listening. But yeah, it was not easy. But then the next time I went to the stand in Glasgow, it was really good. I think um, I didn't have a nineteen-year-old kid going up before. They've got like this kind of now generation of slightly rock starry kind of yeah. comics in the UK who are like you know young guys and sort of skinny jeans and girls yeah. like ah. I had I had skinny jeans and girls going ah. <laughs> girls just, going ah. Ah. Like, ah. What is that? Ah. Oh wait, they were chasing. Daniel as he was leaving the stage. <laughs> yeah, that's um yeah, he's he's I mean he's overdoing that. I think Andy Osho is another Matt Kershen is another one. But I think Matt kinda of did it off the back of last comic you standing. Mean he's overdoing yeah. that, not he's overdoing it. He's overdoing it. Yeah. He's over here doing it. Yeah. It's just we don't trash people on the show, that's why I wanted to clear that up for people <laughs> yeah. who would misquote that. She's saying he's overdoing it. Yeah, he's he's overdoing the same thing. Yeah. Um, he's overdo- Oh no, that's that sounds worse. I, know, keep- I just made it. That's completely innocuous situation. Oh, bad. Really bad. Really, really bad. bad. You're not going to be able to work here. He's not going to be able to work here. Yeah, he's never going to speak to me again. So what's the plan of attack for New York? What do you got? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. You're have doing a- some good rooms. I know you did Hannibal's room yeah. last night. Yeah, that was great. Was he in the front bar? Or was he in the main room? Front bar. Yeah. But it was crazy. It was crazy packed. It was heaving. It's um, always packed. It was heaving because he's. Um, I think he's. Um, he uh, Dave Chappelle was on the week before, so it was, like got to an extra point of like I don't know if you. They wouldn't let my boyfriend. <laughs> my really? friend, yeah, and he had to come out and go. Look, can we just? She's one of the acts. Can we make that happen, please? So yeah, so that was, was yeah, crazy full, and it kind of shouldn't work as a room, but works really well. Yeah, it is kind of like one of those rooms you go, huh? Really, the front bar? I don't know. Yeah, with the window where all the public can look in and stuff, but it but it does. But it it reminds me of Old Rope at Home. It it very much has that sort of um, feeling to it, which is a a sort of. it seems like a lot, some of the acts were doing their best stuff, but certainly for Hannibal and some of the others, trying out new stuff and working in stuff in quite a relaxed environment. And you know, it's nice to have. It's nice. To, it's a great joy to have your own room that you can you can kind of do that in. So you have to come back to London. That's the plan as well. I do want to come back to London. And come and do I'm our so fringe. Afraid, like I'm so afraid to go back there because even though I got glowing reviews, <laughs> including a five star review from what was it? London stands up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Only five star review I've ever gotten, but I haven't been reviewed a lot. But 
I do like it over there. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But I feel like uh, there's just so many eyes on you. So many, re- you know, reviewing. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, mean, I guess, and like Edinburgh has that as well. I think yeah. the first ever Edinburgh show I did, I got a five star review and a one star review for the same show. See, I think that's on the same day. I think that's hilarious. Cool. It's hilarious because you just like, oh, just go, a one star review would be bad, but if you get a if you get a five, might as well get a one star just to sh- just go. Oh, okay, that's what it meant. That's what it means right there. Yeah, <laughs> one or the like, other. That's reviews for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I mean, like in Edinburgh, it's crazy now because just anyone who's any student can kind of set up a a review, and there's a few kind of respected reviewers. But even then, it's always that thing of kind of a lot of the reviewers you feel, well, some of them tried to do it and couldn't. So there's always that slight edge of bitterness. Yeah, yeah, and it's weird to try and review it because some of them aren't even reviewing what's happening in the room. They're reviewing from their own personal viewpoint, but I think you always have to state what's happening in the room even if you don't like what's yeah, happening in the room. Yeah, there are times where you can get a review where you know, you would think the person bombed and they're like, "Oh, actually, they did do really well." You can maybe mention I didn't like it, but the other 800 people seem to really enjoy it. Yes, yeah, yeah. And and actually, I think there's a difference here as well. I think people are quite supportive here. Compared to at home, I guess, I think that, I think it's an attitude. I think American people have a slightly more upbeat, optimistic viewpoint. So, so if at home, what we tend to do is just smack shit down. Whereas here, I know it's sort of like, I mean, stuff does get slammed, but if people like something, they really rave about it and they really talk about it and they get behind it. And that's a really nice attitude. And I, and, uh, sometimes at home it can be a little bit like, I started that here in the States. Did you? That yeah. was you. <laughs> I was the guy who made everyone a little bit more upbeat than they used to be. <laughs> like, Why don't you say something nice? All right, Todd. So you got any, you have any other shows scheduled? You're here till for another uh, week or so? Yeah, I'm here till the 8th. But I'm, I, I went to the cinema. Oh, I have to tell you this. I went to the cinema with... Um, with I took my boyfriend to see Anchorman 2. Uh-huh. And it was amazing because we went in Queens. And I, it was amazing to have a Scottish man in a in an American... Because I've been to movies here before and forgotten... Not forgotten, but I know what the audiences have been like, and he'd never experienced that. Were they talking? So they, or yeah, they just get really involved. There was a guy behind me the whole way through Anchorman. So you know that bit where Steve Carell's on I the weather... Well, you see it in the trailers. He's okay. on the weather map, and he yeah. can't find his trousers because his trousers are green. And so the dude behind me is going like, he's got no legs, man. He's got no legs. Oh, he just fell on the floor. He fell on the floor. <laughs> like, just giving away. You can imagine seeing something like Six Sense with this guy. Oh, my God. He was, like, dead the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> he was just sort of. And then when. That really he, depends on the theater, though. Like, right. There's a lot of theaters where uh, that's not happening. Those well, they are called theaters that I go to. Those ones, yeah. Well, there was points in the film where people were like, um, a cat would come up or something. And they'd be like, oh. On the back row, that everything they're having in the movie, oh, oh, and then like the dude behind me, like some of the jokes, he d- he just didn't get them because like Steve Carell picked something up. Say for example, it was a lamp, and he was like, "I have a chair," and the guy was like, "No way, man, that's not a chair." And yeah. it was like, like they made a mistake in the movie. Yes. Like, dude, why did you have him say chair when he's holding up a lamp? <laughs> Oh man, that's one of those goofs. That's one of those goofs. It's going to be in the blooper reel. That was amazing, and and Paul was sort of sat there going, "This is fucking incredible. He I can't believe." He, well, he just couldn't believe it. Like he was sort of hiding under his jacket at one point because he couldn't take in what was happening. And he was like, I can't, can they not talk for like an hour and a half? Is that what's happening? <laughs> it's like, they just get really involved. And I think that's part of a wider thing, actually, that I really like about Americans, that they do throw themselves into things with enthusiasm. And sometimes at home in the UK, to be enthusiastic is to look like you're trying and therefore an arsehole. <laughs> so they sort of resent uh, success over there a little bit? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think, I do, you know, not, not, some people are very supportive, but I do think in terms of media, there's a slightly more sneery attitude or we'll build you up. So we're going to knock you back down. So you don't forget where you came from. You know, that's a, that's a, which is crazy. Cause I mean, they don't know Todd Barry, do they? I don't know. What's that? <laughs> yeah, but you know, or they don't know Tiffany Stevenson. They don't know, you know, you do a thing, you build, you work, you work, yeah. you work, and then you get there. And then, you know, you do or say something they don't like and they go to town on you, you know. Yeah. Whereas I feel here people are, you know, they work for it. People 
Yeah, I think it's just a generic. I think we're more kind of uh, more comics here play the ego statusy thing a bit more than at home. Everyone's slightly more self-deprecating. Um, so you can do. I mean, I do this. I do this joke in my set where I'm talking about Kim Kardashian and getting a thing that happened. I, I got in trouble for saying something about her on breakfast TV. And, uh, Breakfast TV, morning TV. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. There's no way anyone would have figured that out. Oh, really? Defined that term. Morning, morning television. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I said something about her, and I got in trouble. And then I say, I'm not kind of showing off, going, oh, by the way, I'm on TV, but I want you all to know that I am. Um, which at home gets a laugh, but here people like really laugh because they just like the arrogance. Yeah. Of the kind of, that plays a lot more here, less so in the UK. Believe me, I know. <laughs> At my level, I know exactly what you're talking about with the faux arrogance. Believe me, no one knows better than me. All right, everyone. Happy New Year. Hope you enjoyed that episode with UK comic Tiffany Stevenson. I have some tour dates coming up. I just woke up. If it sounds like I just woke up, I woke up two hours ago. What am I talking about? I'm going to L.A. for the Riot Fest, January 10th. 11th and 12th at various venues. The 17th and 18th, 17th and 18th, I'll be at the Comedy Spot in Sacramento, which is a little place. Heard it's good. Um, I'll be at the uh, the Foxwoods, Comics at Foxwoods, the end of February, first day of March. Got Gilda's Comedy Fest in Grand Rapids. Also, I'm going to be on the upcoming episode, an upcoming episode of uh, Jerry Seinfeld's Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. I think that starts up very soon, if not today. Maybe tomorrow. I bet tomorrow. Who knows? You'll figure it out. You guys are savvy. You're internet savvy. Go to feralaudio.com for lots of podcasts, not just this one. Steve Agee, Duncan Trussell, Chelsea Peretti, others. That was nice of me to even name those three. Okay, we'll see you later. Bye. This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs. Introducing the new spicy Cajun chicken sub, Cajun seasoned grilled chicken breast, zesty cherry peppers, and house-made Cajun mayo. Just $5.55 for a medium. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs would donate a minimum of $1 million in 2019 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.11% of every purchase.